I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. I misbehave on stage, but I'm better than when I wasn't sober. Okay, so uh, I've sobered up. There's still some blackouts. And, uh, I worked in hymens and survived tornadoes and trailers, but that don't mean I won't put in my two weeks later. Having a good time, baby, having a good time, baby. We're having a real good time. We're having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby I'll tell you one more time Oh yeah We're having a good time all right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay, and I'm back with uh, you here and with my new producer, Hannah Hogan. Hello, Dusty. Uh, I was, we still have, we have the camera hooked up. Now, last week it didn't, it wasn't focused. Uh, so when I went to look at it, it was super blurry. But we're slowly getting there. Each day, we're getting a little bit closer to having a video podcast. Uh, while the intro song was playing, I was asking Hannah to look at the camera there and see if the levels were hitting into the red so that when I'm talking into this, uh, the volume doesn't show up in the red, making the sound not good. No, there's no red. Perfect. All right. So, um, but this is going to be an exciting podcast. First, let's get into a little where we've been, where we're going. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been? Where they going? Where, where they been? Where we're going? Where we've been? Okay, where was I last week? Well, I was in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, doing comedy. That makes my fourth week since the lockdown ended. I did Addison Improv in May, uh, the weekend of my birthday. My birthday was on Monday, the eighteenth. I would have been in. Um, Addison Improv on Thursday, the 15th, Friday, the 16th, and Saturday, the 17th. No, doesn't matter. 14th, 15th, 16th. Sunday would have been the 17th, 18th was my birthday. That means mid-May I was out doing comedy. There's still people out there that are afraid to do comedy right now. I was out there mid-May. Then two weeks later, I was in Huntsville, Alabama, Two weeks later, I was in Salt Lake City, Utah, and now two weeks after that, I'm in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Uh, We've been doing, uh, I've gone from 25% capacity to 50% capacity, and uh, I'm just out there doing comedy, and it feels great. It feels wonderful. People are pumped to be out there. They're pumped to hearing laughs. And uh, the I often like to think of you as like the only person in America doing stand-up comedy right now. Well, that's thank you for bringing that up, Hannah. That's why I mentioned this because I keep seeing comics. I saw a comic, uh, a, a a better known comic than myself, putting out a YouTube video yesterday about getting back out there and what it's like. And then I saw, um, you know, some comic after I had already done two weeks, put out this long uh, Facebook message about what to expect when getting back out there, right? And I'm like, I've been out there almost the whole time. The moment I was, when I did the Addison Improv, I may not be the only, but I was one of the only headliners in the country doing comedy. Yeah, but Dusty, if you don't post about it, did it really happen? Well, I did post about doing it, but I, I didn't post about, you know, tooting my own horn about it here. But I just want people to know I've been out here doing it the whole time. And um, uh, I don't know. I feel great. I mean, I feel like there's this weird thing happening where you're no longer like allowed to be bold or brave, but... I'm like, no, I'm here to do comedy. Comedy is what I want to do. That's my job. That's how I pay my bills. I've seen a lot of Facebook posts about, you know, trying to tell comics not to go back to work. And I'm like, well, that's how I pay my bills. If one of those people that makes that post wants to come over here and pay my mortgage for me, then I'll I'll think about stepping aside. But I'm here to pick up the gigs. As they're dropping off, I'm here to pick them up. You want to cancel? I'll do your weekend. Yeah, and I'm trying to buy stuff from Sephora. 
And how am I supposed to do that if my husband isn't giving me money? Exactly. Exactly. So that being said, I went to Oklahoma City. I did six shows. My host was a guy named Lenny Van Horn, a local to Oklahoma City. I've worked with him a few times. Um, And he did a great job, and I was happy to see him and work with him again. And then my feature was my friend here from Nashville, Connor Larson. He had a great weekend, one of the best weekends I'd seen. Uh, the one of the bookers for the overall um, uh, Looney Benz. Uh, I won't say his name. I don't have a problem with him. I, he's always booked me. He doesn't necessarily book them all. He not hands on in all of them. But he 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 had had Connor host a few times and was unsure about Connor's featuring ability. And uh, I said, "Well, I feel like he can handle it." And he crushed it. He's had one of the he had one of the best feature weekends I've ever seen at the Looney Bins. Aside from myself featuring at Looney Bins, I think it was the best. He had a uh, an amazing weekend as a feature, and uh, I wish that more of these bookers uh, that book a lot of these these rooms like this would let me send them people because I think there is a dying industry. Uh, in these small town now aside from coronavirus shutting them all down just in general a lot of these small town comedy clubs that are booked by an a, a big time you know a, a, an overarching uh, booker a lot of those rooms are dying off because they keep booking the same people over and over and over and over again and those same people who might have been good at one time know that they have this guaranteed gig they're not writing new jokes and so the audiences are going man netflix is better than this live show i wish they would just let me send them people people that i know and work with who have trouble getting booked i say hey let me send you this guy or girl i know a lot of female comics that that are not getting a lot of work that I could send their way, male and female. And they would, they could book more people and, and at least give some variety to the shows. Uh, in my experience, there's clubs that, you know, the guy who owns the club isn't at the shows on the weekend. So he just relies on his club manager to report on how the feature did. And... The problem with that is if the feature did okay or so-so or was kind of like hot and cold, then maybe the club manager gives them the thumbs down. But then some hack kills for four nights and they're like, oh, they were amazing. But the problem is that doesn't mean you're bringing good comedy. You're yes. bringing probably not very good comedy but, and you're really discrediting the uh, tastes of yes, your audience. They're you're basing not curating it, your audiences. They're, they're basing it on audience reaction um, as opposed to um, if the comic is actually good. Now, I know that that can seem like that doesn't make sense where it's like, well, if the audience likes it, then it's good. My my feeling is that let's say you move. Let's just pick a town. Let's make up a town that doesn't have a comedy club. Let's say you're going to go – uh, you move to Valley, Alabama, right? Let's say you move there and you find, oh, there's a comedy club here. So you go to the comedy club. And when you get down there, all the comics that you see are kind of, you know, hack comics. And you go, well, I'm not really into that. The audience seemed to like it. It was a small audience, but the audience that was there really seemed to like it. And you go, well, I didn't like it. That's not my kind of comedy. Uh, I'll try again next week. And so then next week you go there and it's more hack comedians and you say, okay, I'm not going to go back to that club. So, uh, so you're, you're losing your new potential audience. Now you're, you're keeping your old audience because they like that kind of comedy, but you're never reaching new people. I think, so what happens is then you try to send in a new kind of comic, a kind of comic that would appeal to that person who's now stopped going to your club. It would appeal to them. So you put them in there amongst your audience of people that like hack comedy, and they don't do as well. So you say, well, that person doesn't work well in our clubs. But you never actually hear from the audience members that won't go back to your club because you're not booking any kind of new relevant comics. And I think there's a lot of comics in that mid-level world who no one knows about, but they're really funny. And if you could just reach them, that's why you need somebody like me, somebody like me to tell you, to go, hey, but you know what? These these bookers, they go, I've been doing this for 30 years. I don't need your help now. It's that kind of attitude 
that will cause a business to die off in the end. It's like you may have been doing it for a long time, but if you're not staying relevant and current, keeping up with what's going on, then you you are losing out. And I don't know. I don't think I know everything, but I think that I could send some good comics people's way and we could you know it could benefit me because even my own local scene could get better because the comics that are here doing open mics could be going out getting work and getting experience does that make sense yeah i'm not trying to act like i know everything but people try to act like they know everything and then you can't hear i mean that's uh, a lot of problem i think with our society in general is we're we're too apt apt to to, to think we know everything uh, and not having any conversations and learning things from each other. I think we could all learn from each other if we actually talked. But it's scary to try to talk to anyone and have a new, fresh idea because you're like, well, they may not like the idea and they may yell at me and then they may go post nasty things about me on social media. And it's just like, I don't know. I just want to talk to people and share ideas. I don't think that I know everything, but I have thoughts and I'd love to share them with people. And I do share them with people. And we have a good time. We always have a good time. Right. Uh, Emerson said, pay more attention to the bright glimmer in your own eye than all the luster of the firmament of the bards and sages. I don't know what that fully means, but it sounds good. Yeah, like I don't like pay that. attention to all the quote unquote geniuses or mainstream opinions. Pay more attention to the ideas that you have because the more you cue into that you know that's where real genius comes from yes and you know what i think too uh, off of that point uh about the small time comedy clubs is the same could be said for comics now a lot of comics who are very funny they they want to talk uh about things going on in the world and they want to come at it really from one side or you know, and so they go into a small town and they and they start doing these jokes and these jokes don't go that well because the audience doesn't care for it. And then you think, well, those people are stupid. And it's like, I just think there's a good way overall if you're a working comic to go, all right, I, I, maybe you want to do your social justice thing and that's fine. But think about when you go on the road and where you're working, think about, well, maybe I just want to make these people laugh. So you could all benefit. The booker could let me send him a new fresh comic. That new fresh comic could say, you know what, I'm going to talk a little bit about just, just about myself and less about the world. And it just is mutually beneficial to everyone. Everyone wins in this, in this setting. I love when everyone wins. There is always a way for everyone to win, and I love when that happens. But OKC was great. I love that club. That Looney Bin was one of my favorites. There's four Looney Bins. The two that are my favorites are the Oklahoma City Looney Bin and the Wichita Looney Bin. I don't know why I can't say Looney Bin right now. Looney Bin. But (laughs) they are my favorites. They're very fun clubs. They're in good cities. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I find Oklahoma City to be a bit of a boring city. I think it's a boring city, but I love the people. The people that came to my show were so great, so nice, and we had such a good time. Wichita, I think, is a bit of a boring city, but the people who come to my shows, I love them. They're great. We have a great time. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Is it okay to call something boring without criticizing it? I'm not saying the town sucks. I don't drink anymore, and there may be lots of great bars. I don't know. One time when I was still living in Toronto, someone called my, said that my hometown of Peterborough had the pace of a tugboat. Yeah. And that kind of hurt me, honestly. Well, I think that's an insult. But Peterborough, depending on what you're trying to do, I could see being a boring city. But Oh, it is a boring city, but it was just kind of like, where are you from? Yeah, we walked around Peterborough. And we shopped and we ate at restaurants and we went to coffee shops and I enjoyed Peterborough. We got we got ripped off on a CD. We we went into a CD store and this guy, I started talking to him about the music that was playing and he just went all out. I mean, he went, he was looking up facts for me. He was talking to me about the artist and by the time it was done, I mean, I just felt like, man, I ought to buy this CD. But it was like $30 in Canadian money. And I was like, I don't want to buy this. But I thought, 
I'll just buy it. And then I did buy it. And then Hannah said, as we left, she said, well, he's a salesman. So he guilted you into it. And that was so hilarious to me because that's never how I've thought about sales. But looking at it, it is so much of that, isn't it? It's just like, it's like, I don't think about it as being guilted into it. I think about it as being sold. Like the salesman sells this to me. And by the end of it, I think I can't do without this. I must have it. He was also very beguiling, right? Like he kind of made you your friend and and like spent some time with you. And it's not so much that he made you buy it as he invested time with you. And now you wanted to repay him by buying this and plus i feel like cd stores now i mean it's such a dying thing to where i feel like if i walk in and they're friendly to me i'm gonna buy something so many cd stores though they're not friendly to you and i have no problem not buying things from non-friendly people but I, i just feel like i love a cd store i love to go in and browse around and flip through there used to be one in charleston uh i forget what it was called um, it's been so long ago, it moved and then it shut down, but it was such a good, good store. And I used to go in and the guy would, he had a, he had a little CD listening station and he would crack open a CD and let you listen to it if you really were interested in it. And I, I got a lot of like, uh, independent music from that store and I really liked it. It was such a great place. I think it was on Wentworth street, if anybody knows, but it was so great. And, um, we had a nice little fun digression there. What do you mean? Oh, we just kind of got off topic. Oh. Well, um, I enjoy them. And i just saying, if people are nice to me, I'll buy things from them. Okay. So, um, Oklahoma City was great. And where am I going? I don't know. I'm going to Washington and at some point. I'm going uh, south of Seattle. Uh, hopefully, they get that all cleaned up. I don't necessarily want to fly into any kind of chaos. Um, but south of Seattle is where they're going to have like a drive-in comedy show where I'm going to open for a local country singer. It seems great to me. I followed him on Twitter and he did not follow me back. So I'm not very happy with that, but, uh, Hey, who does follow me on Twitter? No one really. Twitter is my least favorite social media out there. Yeah, Just be yourself. Okay. So this is, Oh wow. What a great segue because I want to do advice to comics. And my advice on this week is be yourself. Wow. Yeah. And she didn't know that. She didn't know that. I want to say be yourself and that's how you will be unique. That's how you will stand up, stand out. Uh, be yourself. Make it personal. And this is also what I want to say. This is June 30th. On this day, four years ago, I walked in into a news station in Montgomery, Alabama with Hannah and my friend Evan Burke. Me and Evan were going to be on the news. And at that time, I was not wearing a hat on stage. I would wear a hat for fun. But I was wearing this hat. This is a West Point Pepperell hat. This is a mill uh, in Alabama. Well, actually, I think, I don't know, Alabama, Georgia, they had mills all over. And I think West Point, Georgia is where it started, but that's right next to Alabama. And my uncle used to drive a truck for them. My, uh, my aunt worked at the, the mill retail store. They sold things. Anyway, doesn't matter. Classic hat. My dad had the hat. I used to wear it around in the car for fun and when I would go into gas stations. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it made me look ridiculous and redneck, and I loved it. I was like, this is such a great, fun hat. And so... When we were going on this news station, I thought, you know what? I bet people will know West Point Pepperell. And I said, this seems like a fun hat. Let me throw the hat on, wear it on the news. I wore it on the news. We laughed about it. It was silly. It was fun. That next weekend, I went to Crackers Comedy Club in Indianapolis. I wore the hat on stage for the first time. And then I left. I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I went to Springfield, Missouri. uh, And then I went out to... Uh, Albuquerque. I went to a couple of places in New Mexico and then out to Phoenix, Arizona, wearing the hat the whole time, loving it, having the time of my life, having a blast. And I haven't stopped wearing it since. I remember when you were coming home from Phoenix and it was a revelation. You said, I wore this hat and it's changed everything. And I know who I am now and I feel great. 
I finally felt like myself. I felt like I had found myself in the hat. And everybody thought, even the owner of Zany's said to me one time, he said, I think you're giving that hat a little too much credit. And maybe I am. But something about putting the hat on gave me, uh, it helped me be me. I felt like I could be the country that I always was. Whereas with, with just the glasses and the, and the hair, I feel like I look more hipsterish. And I also don't mind that. I am a bit of a hipster, uh, but I'm like a country hipster. You know what I mean? Um, so well, You're not any one thing. You're just yourself. You're right. sort of an amalgamation of all your desperate parts. And being unique. And I say, make it personal. Talk about yourself. This is why. And then I'll begin here. I've made myself a few bullet points. I want to talk about this, and then at the end, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Bible again. I'm going to end these podcasts with uh, something about the Bible. I just feel like it's important. I feel like that we're, we're so weighed by politics these days, and I feel like politics are far less important than uh, our spirituality. And so, But I'm going to save it for the end. That way, if you're like, I don't want to listen to that, well, you don't have to, and you still get to have a great, fun podcast. But I'm going to keep even the religious part fun because— it is fun. People think that the Bible, this is what happens, right? You grow up in church, and then religion becomes your preacher's voice, and you think, oh, it's so boring. But then you get into meditation, and you get into uh, intermittent fasting, and you get into this and that and this and that, and so much of that comes from the Bible. The Bible talks about meditation. The Bible talks about fasting. You know what I mean? All these things that we think are cool from other religions are all in the Bible, so get with it. You know what I mean? Praise God. All right. So, all right. So here we go. Um, so I say, stay positive, stay positive. Always when you're, when you're, when you're talking about your comedy, find a way to stay positive. Even the things that you're complaining about, pretend like you love them, right? Jerry Seinfeld, I've talked about this before. I thought Jerry Seinfeld was great at this. He would say, I love how small the bathrooms are in an airport or in an airplane. Right. And that's just an example Obviously, he doesn't love it. He hates them. But when you say, I love it, it puts a, a positive feel on it. Talk about your childhood. Talk about your childhood growing up, being in school. The reason is everybody can relate to this, but your experience is probably unique. Something that happened to you. Try to talk about it in a way uh, that is not negative. You know, just be positive and talk about you. Um, use I instead of you. Right. And that that's a advice that I'd heard from someone else. I started doing it in my own comedy and I think it makes a lot of sense. Bill Burr said that. Yes. But instead of saying, you know what it's like going to the store. Right. You say the other day I went to the store. It doesn't you don't need the audience to be like, yes, I relate to that. You just need them to be able to relate to it. I'm talking about all kinds of stuff these days that I'm finding that people really relate to. A joke that I came up with the other day, I haven't done it on stage yet, but just an idea is that you could always tell who the bad kids were growing up based on the kind of cigarettes they smoked, right? If they smoked Marlboros or Newports, then they probably bought their own cigarettes. But if they smoked GCs or Virginia Slims, then they're probably stealing them from their grandmother. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Any kid that showed up with Virginia Slims, he just swiped them off his grandma. You know what I mean? <laughs> my, I don't even know this brand, but my friend John, his mom always smoked GCs. And whenever John had a pack of GCs, I knew he had stolen from his mom. And we just called them good cigarettes. GCs. <laughs> what is it? GCs. Maybe it was GC. We called them good cigarettes. So it was GCs. And uh, so I just think that, uh, you know, you don't have to go, you remember GCs? Just go, man, my buddy used to smoke GCs. You know what I mean? And it, it, if, if people relate to it, they'll laugh along. It doesn't matter. And sometimes uh, things can just feel true because obviously I grew up in Canada, so I'm not actually familiar with any of those lesser brands, but I still understood the joke, just yes. the, the truthiness of it. If it's funny to you, it's funny. Just figure out how to say it. That's another, that's more advice, right? Like, so if you're talking about something that's unique to you and you're saying it out loud and it makes you laugh, but other people aren't laughing, well, that doesn't mean it's not funny. It just means that you haven't figured out how to make it funny yet. Keep working on it. 
Uh, I wanted to read this Wynton Marsalis quote. I've, I've, I meant to pull it up before I came out here. I've read it in the past. Um, I meant to pull it up here. Um, I, I had screenshotted it the other day. Here it is. Uh, and I love this. Now, this is talking about jazz. Wynton Marsalis, if you don't know, is a jazz musician. But I think, what's two great American things? Jazz music, stand-up comedy, right? Love it. Okay, so here we go. This is what Wynton Marcellus says about jazz, but I think it implies to every art form, including writing jokes. So it's incumbent upon you to figure out, what do I want to do? Will it kill me to learn how to play this difficult music and develop my voice so that I can play something provocative enough for people to want to spend their time listening to me? What do I have that I can present to people that will make them feel better about being alive? That's beautiful. I sent this to a friend one time, and he said, well, that's about jazz, not about comedy. And I was like, yes, yes, it is about jazz. But, I mean, it's just this line, it's this, what do I want to do? Will it kill me to learn how to play this difficult music and develop my voice so that I can play something provocative enough for people to want to spend their time listening to me? What do I have that I can present to people that will make them feel better about being alive? Isn't that what art is supposed to be? It's what art can be. And I think that goes to your optimist kind of viewpoint of art. The joy part. Yeah. I mean, comedy is work. A joke is a painting. And it may take a while to get it right. You don't, you don't just go, all right, I want to paint this pot. Now you got a pot, right? You spend time crafting it, figuring out how to paint it. Painting is hard. I don't know if you've ever had to try to paint something realistic. It's hard. It's hard. All of our art, in my opinion, is dying because it's so easy to do nowadays. Everything's so easy. We don't need to paint beautiful pictures. Uh, we don't need to paint beautiful, realistic pictures because, well, we have cameras. We have cameras that we can easily add filters to that make them look like artwork. But artwork, uh, it, it's amazing, and, and we're really losing the beauty of creating art. Stand-up comedy now has so much turned into ranting and raving when it just – it should be a beautiful artwork. I, I like to think of a joke as a song, and you craft it, and it matters. This word goes here, and this word goes here. It's more than just this idea that you've put together. It's, it's beautiful artwork that you're creating. Does this make sense? Yeah. And I just think that if more people actually cared about the art form of comedy than they did about, oh, I thought of this BS today. I'm going to write this. Then they would have an easier time, uh, not an easier, but but a um, uh, a more successful time. With comedy now, that doesn't mean that the industry is going to pick you up. That doesn't mean you're going to get booked more. But it it does mean that you'll put out something of quality and something that matters and something that people want to listen to. And I think that's really what it's all about. We all want to make money. We all need to make a living. But at the end of the day, as a creator, don't you want to just create something that's beautiful? I mean, that's what I think about. Like, I do my YouTube videos, and then I watch, you know, Andrew Schultz or Nate Bergazzi or Mark Norman do uh, a similar type of thing to me as me, and I look at it and I go, oh, man, their video's better, their audio's better. Uh, someone is Someone really artistic has created these videos, and I'm like, wow, they look a lot better than mine. But at the end of the day, I'm like, but I'm doing mine the way I want to do them. They may not be better, but I feel like I'm doing something different than them. Not better, not worse, but I'm doing something different. I'm creating something that I want to create. And I'm trying to put some heart and soul into it. I don't know if it comes out that way or not, but um, I want to create something that people want to watch and go, this is fun. And I mean, and I watched my video of me traveling out west the other day, and maybe it's because I created it, but... I rewatched it after creating it months ago, 
And when I was done, I thought, wow, that was a really good video. And, you know, here I am bragging about my own videos, but I just think that if you create what you want to create and you create it with the intention of entertaining people, I think that you are going to reach people. Uh, All right, so here's some other things. Talk about your hobbies. I think talking about your hobbies, you'll find that other people also have these hobbies. I've been talking about looking at birds, and I don't know that people necessarily care about the fact that I look at birds, but me talking about what's happening while looking at birds uh, has been creating a lot of laughter. I mean, basically my joke, I talked about it on the podcast very early on, but I stood out my back door looking at birds so long that my neighbor put up an eight-foot privacy fence, and that's true. So I don't know if he put up eight foot because of me, but it's true, and people love that joke right now. Mm. Um, Talk about, I think I just said that, but talk about things that irritate and bother you by saying you love those things, right? I mean, like, I was just thinking about this. Whenever I get into a, I'm an average size person. I'm not tall. I'm not short. I am average height. People always will say to me, I thought you'd be taller. And I don't know why that is, but I, I like that better than I thought you'd be shorter. Because you got broad I guess. shoulders. Maybe so. But so I'm an average size person. And when I go to get, I like to take a bath sometimes, especially if I've been traveling a lot. My body will feel really pent, you know, really tight. And I like to put a little Epsom salt, a little lavender, maybe a little eucalyptus, really clear you out. I like to put that into a, uh, a bathtub and I like to soak in it. Right? But I'm in there and I'm thinking, why is the bathtub so small? And I can't imagine what it would be like if I were any taller. If I were a tall man, baths would be impossible for me. And I don't have a real joke here, but I thought if I were going to talk about it, a funnier way would be to go, man, I love the size of a bathtub. I love how I can't have my knees and my feet in there at the same time. I, wa- I love how if my legs are straight all the way, then my feet can't fit in there. Or I love how I can't fit my upper torso where the real tension is at and also my knees where a lot of pain is at the same time. Yeah, you have to give special attention to every single bone, every yeah. single part. I just think it's funnier if you talk about things that you don't like in a way that you do like them. Because everybody will know that you're complaining. Everyone will know that you're, you don't really love that. But you're not just up there being like hating on bathtubs. I also really like the idea of you developing a joke about you in the bath because it does seem like a really nice contrast to your kind of like good old boy vibe and then this kind of sensual version of you. Well, that's the thing <laughs> and uh, is that people don't think that there can be that things can be two ways, right? You know what I mean? Oftentimes, like, they don't think that someone that loves country music as much as I do would also love jazz. Like, we had uh, some people over the other day, just some comics, and we had a comic named Bernard Hirsch uh, in the comedy community, and apparently he loves jazz, and I didn't know that. And he asked me what we were listening to. And a part of me was like, oh, no, Renard's about to make fun of me for listening to jazz. And I go, I was a little smooth jazz. And Renard's like, I love jazz. And we talked about jazz for a little bit. I don't know enough about it to really have a conversation. But he was like, I love jazz. And I don't think that Renard thought that I love jazz. And I just think that we oftentimes don't think people enjoy things uh, because it doesn't seem to fit their personality. But, I mean – I drove around the other day running some errands, and I was in the car for about an hour just bouncing around town, and I listened to classical music the entire time, and it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, you were a complicated man. You love jazz, you love classical music, but then you also love Steven Seagal movies. Yeah, we watched a Steven Seagal movie last night, and it was was pretty fantastic. Yeah, go deep into who you are. Look at all the... Look at all the different shades. Well, I just think that the great thing is, is, is human beings, we're capable of liking so many things. And um, I like so many things. I mean, I love music and I love movies. I just hate things pushing agendas on me. I'm just like, let me just be entertained. 
That's why I always tell people about comedy. It's like, you may get laughs, and if you want to be agenda-pushing comedian, be that. But I just think at the end of the day, man, people just pay money to come and see you, and they just want to laugh. They don't want to be like, they don't want to have their you know feelings hurt. And well, Also, it's like, you know, people that have a political voice, um, that's good, uh, but, you know, there are late-night talk show hosts that do that very well, and there's lots of shows that, you know, specifically are about politics. So if you want to be a writer on that show or you have aspirations to be that person one day, then definitely you should go over that angle. But also keep in mind that there is a plethora of voices on the Internet doing it. Uh, so if you're going to do it, ask yourself, are you actually that good at it that you can be the best? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people again. People can do whatever they want and like whatever they want. Nobody has to listen to me. Um, uh, I don't know why you wouldn't, but you don't have to. Well, you know, we've done our Enneagram tests, and you are a one, which is the activist heart. You do want to change things. You do want to make things. Well, happen. I want to help people, and I want yeah. people to to live good lives, and I want people. And I I really believe, and I and I believe this because I've experienced in my own life that you must have successes and wins in your life to feel good about yourself. It's important for your own self-confidence. Now, I think some people were raised in such a way that they just have confidence. Um, and I don't know what that is, but they just have it. They're born with it. They feel it. That's but, how I feel about you. Well, I, I, I mean, I think that I've always had the confidence to a degree, but my confidence comes from taking control of my life and having successes. I mean, I, my, I mean, I always had confidence in some ways. Like, you know, I, when I started doing comedy, I had confidence in my ability to do comedy. I felt good about it. I felt good about what I was doing. But when I quit drinking and figured out how to quit a job I hated, figured out how to get myself out of the debt that I was in, and I accomplished all those things... I didn't even have a car. I was riding a bike everywhere, and I had more confidence than I had ever had in my life. I felt like completely unstoppable. I took control of my health, my finances, my my life, all at once. And 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 the and the one thing throughout prior to that that was giving me confidence was comedy. Comedy was the one thing. And when I gained confidence in all those other levels, I didn't even care about comedy. I thought about quitting comedy. I was like, I don't need comedy. I don't care about comedy. And I went and, and, and did a contest at Evan Burke. I've said this a million times, but a, a contest that Evan Burke had already uh, put into place and, and I had already said I would do it. I went and did it and then I won and I thought, well, that feels pretty good. And I thought, well, I'll keep doing comedy. I'm glad I did. But it's like, I just, I think that's why I give these, these notes to people because I feel like a lot of people are not doing these things and then they don't really have the successes that they uh, that they need to have. And so, you know, you do comedy over and over again and you fail in a lot of ways. You, you cannot build confidence if you're not having some wins. It doesn't have to be huge wins, but you got to have some wins. I would think that when you start comedy, if you say ultimately at the, I, I'd, I'd like to see myself on a late night talk show, great. I think that you should strive for that. But that should not be your first goal. Your first goal should be to have a successful five minutes at an open mic. And then your next goal should be to get booked on a local showcase. And then your next goal to be, should be to get booked as a host at your local comedy club. And then once you do all those things and you're having success, well, then, you know, set new goals. But keep the goals small so that you can have wins. Like even people say... That if you write out a um, a, a to do list for the day, even if the to do list is you know water the grass, uh, you know go to the grocery store, but if you write that out and as you do them, you cross off those things, they say it gives people a good feeling of accomplishment to look at that to do list at the end of the day and see that you've done all of them. So you need to, if your goal is like, all right, I started comedy, now I want to be famous. Well, it may take a long time for you ever to achieve any level of fame. So if your only goal was to get famous, then you may never achieve that goal. 
But if your goal is to, I don't know, become a working comic and say, um, um, you know, I'd like to, uh, you know, do this for a living. Well, that's a more attainable goal. But but the first thing you got to do is uh, have some success with it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. What do you have to say? Uh, Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think also if you give yourself more achievable incremental goals, uh, when you accomplish those goals, you'll have a feeling of satisfaction, but also perhaps gratitude. Whereas if you have some vast big goal in the future, uh, even when you accomplish little things or opportunities come to you, you may not be walking with such uh, gratitude because it's still not satisfying to you. And so that kind of energy is uh, somewhat of a turnoff. That's true. And I would say that developing uh, that just sense of gratitude, a thing that I hear from bookers most of the time, especially on local showcases, whether it be a bar show or a comedy club, is people's gratitude. Like, you don't have to send the club, uh, you know, flowers the next day. But if you come off stage and you tell the booker, you say, hey, I really appreciate you having me on this show. Just something like that. Thanks for having me on this show. Whether you do bad, whether you do good, no matter what, just say, thanks for having me on the show. It's going to go a long way. It's going to go a lot further than you coming off stage going, oh, man, this show sucks, and then leaving before the show's over. Guaranteed it. You could crush the show, then come off and go, man, this show sucks, and then leave, and I think you're less likely to get booked again than if you bomb, come off and go, hey, I really appreciate you having me. Uh, Thanks for this opportunity, and then sticking around for the whole show. I mean, you're more likely to get back on my show that way. I mean... I just like people that, that – I like people that work hard. So I like people that you know reach out to me and say, hey, I'd like to do your show sometime. I like that. That don't mean I'm going to let you on it. But I like it when people do that. And the chances are a lot of people end up on my show that just reach out to me and say, hey, I'd like to do your show sometime. And then I ask for a video. I may not use you yet because uh, you may not be at the level that – that I that I that I want you to be at, and that's for multiple reasons. One reason is people pay to see my show. I want them to see a good show, and also if you do my show at Zanies, I want the booker of Zanies to see you and potentially book you for other things. And if they see you one time and you don't do well, it's going to be hard for me to convince them to use you. You know what I mean? Totally, man. All right. Well, I feel good. I feel like we've really accomplished something. Um, I should be at Zany's. Uh, I say where we're going, but I mean, I should be at Zany's a month from now, July 29th. Uh, hopefully, I will be doing shows with David Spade. I mean, who knows how things are going to be developing over the next couple of months. But I mean, if everything goes well, I should open for David Spade on the 27th and 28th of July, which is very fun for me. And then because uh, I like David Spade and uh, and then on the 29th, I'll have my show back at Zany's. Great. And there could be other things that pop up along the way. But to be honest, I don't mind the downtime. I have uh, taken so much time off from. Um, I've taken so much time off from working the um, working the, the road that I actually enjoy being at home. Like I like it. It seems like that seems contrary to what I said at the very beginning of the podcast. But I like that I am getting to work. I'm making money. I'm being able to go out and I'm able to work my craft. But also, I get like a week off in between. And then I go out again. And then I take a week off. I mean, I don't mind continuing that when we go back to work, to be honest. Maybe not uh, two weeks off every time, but three weeks a month seems a lot more better to me than what I was doing, which was every weekend, which was making me exhausted. Uh, because the drives are a lot harder on me than they used to be. I mean, I drove 10 hours to uh, to Oklahoma City, me and Connor, and then we did a show that night. And then it felt like the next two days during the day, I was dead. And then I felt great on Saturday, like oh, like I could have did cartwheels on Saturday. And then I, uh, you know, Sunday morning, get back in the car and drive 10 more hours and was dead yesterday. I felt pretty dead waking up today, too, but I feel good now. I'm starting to. You're going to have to have an Epsom salts bath. Yeah, I may have to get myself a little Epsom salt bath. Um, 
we have in our home now we have a the, they had installed like a spa type of tub where it's got some jets in there and i i took a bath in there the first time when i when i got here and uh i did not know anything about this and we had not turned those jets on since we lived here, I got my Epsom salt ready. I had a little tea tree oil in there. I had a little oil of oregano. I had Epsom salt, lavender. I mean, I had a mixture of everything and it felt good. It was comfortable. And I thought, let me try these jets. And I cut those jets on. And then there was just all kinds of nasty stuff clogged up in those jets. There was bugs and dirt and sticks. And I thought, Part of me thought, oh, well. But another part thought, well, I'm hoping that these oils soak into my body. Maybe I don't want bug residue soaking in there, too. So I had to drain the tub and then clean those out. And now we're good, but what a mess. Tag that onto your new uh, Epsom salts bath joke. How I love when bugs come out. Mm -hmm. All right, so this is what I want to talk about. I want to do a little Bible talk. I just want to talk about the Ten Commandments, right? We all, if you grew up in a church, you remember the Ten Commandments. Um, and, uh, and as we get older, I think that sometimes we can feel like they're so harsh and that it's so weird and, and, and to follow them. And I I just was reading them today and I thought, well, they're not really that hard. And in fact, when, uh, Jesus is asked at one point, he's, they say, what's the greatest commandment? And he says to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And then he follows up, and the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I just think, how wonderful would we be as people if we took those two commandments and just lived that way? We, we loved God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul. And then we went out and we loved our neighbor the way that we loved ourselves. I mean, imagine that. Imagine all the things that you do for yourself, the things that you care for yourself. Imagine pulling up and seeing a homeless person, and instead of keeping your window up, you give him money, and instead him or her. And instead of giving them the change from the bottom of your change drawer, you gave them a significant bill out of your wallet that you thought that you would never give to a person. Imagine just giving them that and then not telling anyone. Imagine doing that, not filming it, not putting it on social media, not telling a single person in the world. You just did it because you love that person the same way you loved yourself. And you didn't think, Oh, they're just ripping me off. They're running some scam. They're just going to use this to get drugs. They're just going to use this to get alcohol. What if you just did it because you loved them the way that you loved yourself? How much better would our world be? I think so many people are so hell-bent on changing other people in order to change the world that they don't spend any time trying to change themselves. You know, and it's like everybody wants to get on social media and talk about how stupid and how bad everybody else is. Well, it's like, well, what are you doing even in your own life? How are you helping people? If, if your only way to help people is voting for someone that says they're going to help people, then you're not doing anything. So I think that it's such a wonderful thing to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that being said, I've heard this, and then I read this, and so I thought this was interesting. George Carlin did a comedy bit where I think he summed all of the Ten Commandments down to one commandment, right? And I forget what it was. But that's essentially what Jesus just did here. He, he, he uh, summarized all Ten Commandments into two commandments. And the first four commandments are to, you know, and I'm going to just summarize these. If you want to read them full, they're in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 through 17. If you want to read them all yourself, um, I, I encourage you to read them all because you might have only read them in church and never actually went out and read them. Now, I like a King James Bible myself because I think it's a fun Bible. It doesn't take out all the cool, fun things. So many of the new watered-down versions will um, 
change the way things are worded so that it's not as fun. I think this is fun. But this is, you know, obviously this applies to Christian people because, or at the time, the Jews. Uh, But it says, um, you know, the first one is, thou shalt put no other gods before me. That makes sense, right? Uh, If if you believe that uh, God created you uh, and everything around you, then you would uh, believe that he would be like, listen, I'm the, I'm the God, okay? Serve me, not the others. That makes sense. And thou shalt not create any graven images. And I think this is simply because we don't know what God looks like. And we're supposed to worship God in a spiritual way. Uh, we worship the unseen God, right? Like we don't need the physical thing. We have a spiritual connection. So if we create something... And we say, well, this is what God looks like. We can say, this is not God, but this is what God looks like. But ultimately, we end up bowing down in front of a statue. Uh, And then, uh, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. I don't know exactly what this means. I used to think it meant when people said GD. But I think it just means not using uh, the name of God in in some gross way or in some way that uh, you know, I think maybe sometimes will people will say, "Well, I'll pray for you," or 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 they'll use "I'll pray for you" in a uh, a condescending type tone. You know, they're doing, they're saying they're doing something for God, but uh, for their own van- vanity. Is that like bless your heart? Could be, could be like bless your heart too, uh, in a in a way. But you're not using God's name. But I think yeah, if you're you know trying to use religion in a way to criticize someone, then if I you're think you're evoking God to condemn someone. I don't know about that last one. I mean, I don't know. Okay. Um, but then, and then the other is remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, right? Remember a holy day. And I find it interesting that the Bible says that, you know, not to buy or sell on this day. And I think how powerful would it be for just businesses and in, 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 the, in the country in general, if for one day every week we stopped buying things, and stop selling things to stop to stop uh, greed essentially and our own purchasing lust for one day a week. We just stop them. How amazing would that be? I think we would shape the entire economy in all of stores if we all decided on this day. And there is some debate on what the Sabbath is. I mean, amongst the three religions, I think uh, the three big ones that I know the most about. I think that Islam, it's sundown on friday night uh judaism sundown on no islam sundown on thursday night friday is the sabbath uh judaism it's friday night and saturday is the sabbath and then uh catholicism christianity is sunday um so i think there's some debate i mean maybe do your own research on that but i think those first four uh tie up the first commandment that's how to love god you don't put other gods before him. You don't create an image. You don't use his name in vain. And you remember his Sabbath day. And then the next six, I think, are so great. They're how to serve your fellow man, right? Honor thy mother and thy father. Wow, what a concept. Even if your parents are rude to you and not nice to you, uh, I, I think that this is essentially saying, listen, you don't have to do everything that they say, but don't disgrace them, right? I just think there's something about speaking well about your mother and father, no matter what, no matter how their beliefs may differ from yours, you don't disgrace them, right? Thou shalt not kill. That's pretty easy. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's pretty easy. I think, you know, don't, uh, you know, sleep with married people. If you're a married person, don't sleep with the person you're not married to, right? That makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, I kind of just, you know, it's conditional. Yeah, you know what I mean? But I mean, <laughs> Just think about our, you know, our society in general. If we just were, you know, if we, you know, we just respected those relationships. Uh, thou shalt not steal. Imagine that if we never stole from each other. Uh, thou shalt not bear false witness. Which, um, you know, don't say you saw somebody doing something that you didn't. I think some people will take this and just say thou shalt not lie. But actually, I was just reading the Ten Commandments. It never says thou shalt not lie. Now I don't think that. The Bible is trying to say that lying is good. But I once worked for uh, a Jewish guy, and he would have his rabbi come over. And I remember them one time talking about lying. And the rabbi was kind of saying, you know, he was kind of saying, I don't know if lying is always wrong, right? Like if you get a present from someone and you genuinely don't like it, 
is it wrong to lie and say you do? Right? I think the the other side of that coin could just be, well, just be happy that anybody gave you a gift. Why why do you why do you have to be like, I don't like this, but I'm gonna lie and say I do? How about just like it? I know that you've lied to me a couple times to protect me. We don't need to get into it on the podcast, but when I caught you in the lie, you've tried to retrace your steps. Well, I did. And, um, but I, I, you know, I don't, again, I don't think that was a lie that hurt anyone, but I think it hurt you. It hurt me, but it didn't hurt anyone else. And then the last one is thou shalt not covet. And it goes on to say, it starts off, thou covet thy neighbor's wife. But it goes on to list many things. And I think coveting can be bad for for many reasons. But the main reason that I think coveting is bad is that you can get into this, and I think the internet has really heightened this, that if you're coveting, that means that you want something that your neighbor has, right? So you see your neighbor's wife and you go, oh, I'd love to have that. Or you see your neighbor's car and you go, oh, man, I'd love to have that, that you're always going to have a neighbor that has something better than you have, always. And so you have to learn to be satisfied in your own life, right? Because if you find satisfaction in life then and, and you're not coveting these things, then uh, you're just going to be happier. I just think that as long as you're always looking at someone and you're, they call it keeping up with the Joneses, right? Where, you, where you, your neighbor, like the, uh, the song uh, Waylon Jennings, uh, Back to the Basics of Life. What is it called? Lukenbach, Texas, where he says, you know, the only two things in life that make it worth living are guitars at tune, good and firm, good feeling women. You know, he says, I don't need my name in the marquee lights. I got my song and I got you with me tonight. Baby, it's time we got back to the basics of love, right? And he says, uh, he's just talking about, you know, we're just doing all these things to try to keep up with everybody. We just keep trying to keep up, and we're not actually enjoying any of our own happiness. Like if you're a comic, you're working a gig, and you're like, this is so great. I'm finally, I'm finally featuring at this club I always wanted to feature at. And then you pull up social media, and you look, and you find that this guy that you think sucks at comedy is headlining a club. And you're like... Oh man, how's he headlining? I'm just featuring and he's headlining. But before you saw that he was headlining, you were happy that you were featuring. And so I think that that's where coveting can lead us. And I think there's different cities where that's like way more problematic. Like my friends in LA, I think they're just constantly living in this comparison because it's not just looking on your phone and seeing people that are ahead of you. It's going to a show and finding out so-and-so just got booked on a TV show or yeah. you know, so-and-so just uh, is featuring for this guy. And it's just, I think it's like when you're around those environments, it's very difficult to not kind of suffer in that. Absolutely. And I also think that coveting can lead you to now resent your neighbor. Yeah. Uh, if your neighbor has all these things and you don't have them and you want them, then you begin to say, well, why does he get them? And then you hate yourself because you have this malice towards your friend. But I, yeah, but I, I think that the, the, the stronger point is that it does draw, draw resentment. So let's look at these. If you don't honor your mother and your father, it's hurting them. If you kill someone, obviously that hurts them. If you commit adultery, people are hurt. If you steal, people are hurt. If you bear false witness about somebody, they're hurt. If you covet things that your neighbor has, they are ultimately hurt by it. So... By breaking those six commandments, you're not treating your neighbor as you would treat yourself. You're not, and, and if you are, then you're not treating yourself very well. So I just think those are interesting. I just think that the Ten Commandments so often is looked at as these laws that God has just struck down on us and we're not supposed to follow them. I mean, even if you don't believe that God exists, those last six commandments, actually, um, uh, at least seven of those commandments uh, would, you know, like a Sabbath day, taking a day off, and then the other six of, of how to treat your neighbor, we're just going to live better lives. And people will often say, well, I don't really need the laws. I just be a good person. Well, it's like, well, what does it mean to be a good person? I mean, you're doing all those. If you're doing all those things, you're then- also going to find watered down versions of those in all of the self help books out there. All the Instagram right. 
you know, feel good stuff. Like it's all that same stuff. Totally. And I just, uh, you know, and so I just want to share that. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to preach at people again. If you don't want to do any of that. You are trying to preach at people. Who cares? This is a podcast. Yeah. I mean, it's true, but I, but I also, you know, I, I, I want people, you know, they come to my comedy show and then they come and listen to my podcast and they go, oh, that guy was talking about smoking weed and living in a trailer and getting paranoid and breaking the blinds and, uh, throwing up in his mattress and now I turn it on and he's talking about the Bible and I'm like, listen, I, it's just like we said earlier, you can be interested in a lot of things, you know, and my past is my past, you know, and I am definitely not a perfect person. And, um, uh, the past, uh, it's more funny to laugh about the mistakes than, than the successes, but you need the, you need the successes for the mistakes to be funny. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's finish this with the Wenton Marcellus quote one more time. You want to? I love that quote, and I read it. I never even got very very far in the book. I read this, and I basically was like, that's all I needed out of the book. <laughs> so he says, so it's incumbent upon you to figure out, what do I want to do? Will it kill me to learn how to play this difficult music and develop my voice so that I can play something provocative enough for people to want to spend their time listening to me? What do I have that I can present to people that will make them feel better about being alive? Wow. How do you spread the love? This felt like a good podcast, and I'm happy that we did this, and I'm very happy about this. I mean, um, you know, um, well, I look forward to doing (laughs) this again next week, and thank you very much. Thank you, Hannah, for joining me. Hey, it's my pleasure. And... We're having a good time. I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. <laughs> I miss me on stage, but.